What's up, homies? What's up, homies? I'm Erica. And I'm Roshane. And as always, thank you so much for hanging out with us today as we dive into another spooky movie. And this time it is Roshane's pick. And he is once again bringing us to modern times Mm -hmm. and more more accurately 2023. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We we taking it all the way to presently this Mm -hmm. year. Um, and talk about a current fixation of mine, which I am so, so happy that you are indulging me with, Erica, uh, because I have been all about this movie since I've seen it. And mm-hmm. I have been just waiting to talk about it, you know, hear your thoughts, your opinions yeah. and, and whatnot. You know what? I'm just starting to realize by you, you going on this little spiel mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. it was around the time that we were doing our 2022 a year in review episode yeah that i feel like you suggested this whole your pick my pick and i feel like part of the reason that you may have done that is to ensure that i am seeing these horror movies <laughs> as they come out and then can talk about it because obviously 2022 i missed out on a lot of movies <laughs> and you saw basically all of them we never got to have a discussion about them until the end of the year beginning of this year right and now i feel as though this was all a ruse to mm. make mm. sure that when new movies come out that you want to talk about i can't veto that i can't be like oh yeah i'll see it when i see it it's i have to go see it yes this was all part of my elaborate plot to get erica out of her home and into the movie theater seats to make sure that she's seeing these movies when they are when they are popping out now is not it was not that uh strategic <laughs> but um, it is working out in your it's favor working out. it's working out um so i do appreciate you us or even thinking that I could be Mm. that crafty, but. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I'm not even going to lie all the way up until today when I went to see it, which is also this, like I literally saw it the day that we're recording (laughs) every day up to this day. I was checking to see if it was available to rent on (laughs) on demand yet or not. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to make it. (laughs) Which I think lowest of key is it not out yet i think it might be streaming if not now soonish it soon it's coming out soon it's available you can pre-buy it on things but i don't think you can watch it yet so that was an option for me it was it went do you want to pre-buy evil dead rise and i said so for when when (laughs) when will it be available so then at that point i said you know what bite the bullet just go Go Mm -hmm. get your cute little matinee in and did so. But like I said, I waited until the very last minute that I could. (laughs) Yeah. And then then again, we have to also remember that both of us have different or different circumstances when it comes to seeing movies. I think it's a little bit easier for me to go to the movies since I'm like located very close to a movie theater. (laughs) Whereas for you, there is some travel, some distance that needs to be made Mm -hmm. in order to get to said theater. 
So I understand wanting to see the movies from the comfort of your home. I do get it. Um, mm-hmm. But tell me if I'm wrong, though, that this was not a good movie to see in a movie theater. It was. It was. It, okay. it really was. <laughs> it was. This is a movie that is awesome to see on the big screen. I will say that. So I wasn't upset by any means that I did. Mm-hmm. It definitely was a better experience not only with the big screen, but with the sound system. I will yeah. say at first, the sound was kind of kicking my ass, but <laughs> that was also sort of my fault because I sat on the edge, like on the side, run underneath the speaker. So mm. that was partly my decision. But no, it was probably uh, for the experience and the way that everything made me feel, particularly a very specific moment that once we get into the spoilers, I'll... I'll go further in depth about it did give give me what it needed to have gave. So I am appreciative of the fact that I did go and see it on a big screen. I didn't have a crowd experience (laughs) with the movie, which I also feel like that would have been pretty cool. I Mm -hmm. could map out exactly the moments when the crowd probably would have been reacting Uh altogether. And I imagine that would have been really really neat to experience as a group but it was just me and my my my, my two homies that showed up on a date <laughs> and we were the only ones enjoying the movie so it was a much more quiet experience that i had yeah. got you <laughs> you know funny enough um so i saw the movie twice and i will say the first time i saw it i saw it basically opening week uh, i think opening weekend and I kid you not, for the first half of that film, probably one of the worst audience experiences I've had in a very long time. Mm. Like, there was a lot of people talking. There was people on their phones. Like, a lot lot of disrespect towards, you know, the art of cinema. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, what I did appreciate is, you are correct, there were several moments throughout the film that collectively the entire audience went ooh ah and like wince and everything um but i felt like between the sound design and just the sheer craziness of the things that were happening on screen i did appreciate that this movie demanded respect because Mm -hmm. by the time the possession stuff started happening the gore started to ramp up and the blood started flying people shut the fuck up and i was like okay I, i i appreciate when a movie can do that yeah, no, I I could definitely see that being the case for this film. Also, too, I this is my first Evil Dead film in theaters because I didn't Ooh. see the remake, the Evil Dead 2013. The 2013 one, yeah? Yeah, I didn't see that in theaters. So this was kind of my first experience. By the way, if anybody wants to hear not only our thoughts on that, but our friends from Two Chicks and a Horror Flicks thoughts on that, um, please check out our episode that we did with them covering mm-hmm. the Evil Dead remake. I think I saw that one in theaters as well. I honestly, at this mm. point, don't recall. Um, <laughs> it's been a little 20, 2013. That was a little while ago at this point. Yeah. But still, regardless of like the lackluster beginning half, um, I did have a lot of fun with this one in the theater. Um, apparently, a lot of other people did too, because this one got, what, $100 million in the box office? Yeah, I think I read, I think it's at 116 now, and I think it's been one of the most profitable as far as the run in the theater as of mm. now. It yeah. has surpassed and ha- is like the best performing 
in in theater. Nice. Yeah, I feel like as far as like scary movies go right now, at least in this time period when we're recording this, like a little bit around release, Evil Dead's been kind of running the show. Evil Dead's been taking over the weekends, it seems like. Um, but is there anything else out at the moment? Because I know it's the best in the Evil Dead series. It's been doing the best, but I don't know in comparison to other horror films that are out at the moment. Besides, like, The Pope's Exorcist, I think, is out, and I don't think yeah. that did very well. <laughs> yeah, I feel like right now the, there's not too much competition. The Pope's Exorcist is out there. Um, Bo's Afraid is also out oh, currently. Oh, right. Um, which is a bigger a big release. I haven't had a chance to see that one yet. Um, but that one is a little bit more of a mixed bag, and it's also three hours. So, yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the but... Odyssey that is both <laughs> afraid. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like overall, as, when it comes to like, uh, what's the scary movie out right now that I can go see? I feel like Evil Dead Rise has kind of filled that mm-hmm. slot for the moment. And it and so... feels like a summer horror flick. Like, it does. It's got some blockbuster aspects to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, overall, I'm very excited to talk about it. I'm excited to find out how you now freshly have seen it, um, how you're feeling about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I feel like it's going to be a good conversation because this is, uh, once again, we talk about a wild movie, y'all. Yeah, but for the homies who have not seen it yet and just wanted to hear our little introductory bit, We got to let you guys know how scary this movie is and let you know if it seems like something that you will be able to handle, because I'm sure a lot of you have heard uh, if you know the Evil Dead like franchise as a whole, then you know that it's heavy in blood and gore. But the scares can vary because you have more like the more original ones that leaned a little bit more on the campy side of things. Mm -hmm. But then you have the remake who definitely leaned more into a more standard jump scare type of fare so on a scale from one to five five being the scariest and one being not scary at all and and one being bruce campbell's (laughs) (laughs) one-liners what where does this one fall uh i'm gonna give this one like a 4.8 or 4.9 um, oh wow okay. yeah I, I think it's honestly really scary it's got all of the elements that would scare i think your average moviegoer it's got the jump scares it's got the gore it's got the blood um i do oddly enough i do think that this one is a smidge less brutal actually than the 2013 one um so that's really my only reason for not giving it a five if we're we're putting it on the evil dead scale of scary mm-hmm. um i do think that the other remake was a little bit scarier but i do think this one is pretty frightening um it does still manage to keep a little bit of funny and a little bit of camp which i appreciate but as erica said if you're like newer to the franchise or if like blood and gore isn't your thing this one is going to be a bit of a shocker for you so i'm, I'm gonna say like a 4.8 Okay, I think I would give this one a like a 3.8 out of 5. Okay. Only because I do think that this one 
telegraphs the scares, not in a bad way, not in a way of they do them and it's unsuccessful, but it's it feels very intentional that the scares are more slow burns than mm -hmm. gotcha moments. So you can kind of see things coming, but it just builds the tension that way. I just feel like for me, it was not quite as unexpected scary. So I never had any like, I'm jumping out of my seat moments like that mm. in this film. But I think as far as the performances are quite, quite terrifying, um, the visuals are pretty, pretty intense. And I agree with you. I also thought the 2013, 2013, the 2013 <laughs> was more gory. I thought that this one, although it still is up there, was not as bad to me as some of the imagery from the 2013 one was. But if you're sensitive to that, it's still going to get you. So, yeah, not scary as far as jump scares, which to me is usually like what really gets my heart racing. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as visually, I think it's going it, to it, like it's pretty frightening. OK, OK, I agree with that. Yeah, there's a lot of tension, I will say, yeah. like a lot of a lot of stuff feels like tense because you're like waiting for things to happen more so mm -hmm. than like when they happen. But when they happen, it's pretty intense, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, then. Without further ado, homies, we are entering into spoiler territory. So you have been warned. But today we are talking about Evil Dead Rise from 2023, directed and written by Lee Cronin, starring Lily Sullivan as Beth, Gabrielle Eccles as Bridget, Morgan Davies as Danny, Nell Fisher as Cassie, and Alyssa Sutherland as Ellie. After learning she's going to be a mother, Beth pays a visit to her sister Ellie and her kids in a rundown Los Angeles apartment. Ellie isn't thrilled to see her sister, but a rocky reunion is the least of their worries after a tremor unearths an ancient artifact that when read, releases a demonic force onto the apartment complex. And when this demon finds a host in Ellie, the family's pizza night takes a sinister turn. Insert lakeside headaches, ungodly cheese graters, and quality time between a mother and her children here. Our film concludes with Beth searching for an escape as the demon terrorizes the building's residents. Will she make it out alive? Or will everyone be dead by dawn? Also, don't let it take my babies. Roll credits. Dead by dawn. Dead by dawn. Dead by dawn. <laughs> You know, I, to be fair, I am not like the biggest um, buff on the Evil Dead franchise. However, yeah. I have seen enough that like the little Easter eggs that they had in there did make me smile. Mm -hmm. And the Dead by Dawn was one of them. I'm not even going to front. Mm -hmm. No, that was fun. I liked the little Dead by Dawn sequence. <laughs> I thought I was, I was, I thought it was cool. There's a lot of moments in this film that, gave me like 
chills where I was just, I just went, ooh, yeah, that's the stuff. That's that mm-hmm. stuff I like. <laughs> um, and the Dead by Dawn sequence was one of those just because I thought it was really cool to have that many deadites all kind of chanting it together. I just thought mm-hmm. that was cool. Yeah. And I, I mean, like, just where it was in the story, too, like getting to see the aftermath of the hallway scene and just like, I feel like mm-hmm. by that point, it was the right time for it to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll talk about it a little bit later because I will say pacing for this movie. Mwah, loved it. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like this movie went at the briskest pace. Mm-hmm. Uh, but since this was uh, my pick and I forced you to go out to the movie theaters to go see this one, Erica, um, what is in your theoretical notebook? Okay, well, my first note is this whole opening sequence in and of itself, but the the title drop, mm-hmm. bitch, <laughs> <laughs> that guy, I was like, yep, that was very good. I thought the title drop was so cool. Like mm-hmm. that is one scene where I was in it. I was on it. I, I thought, yep, this movie has me just because it, works so well and it fits the evil dead feeling but Mm -hmm. an updated version of it and it's just so fucking cool like i that whoever that actress was who got to do that shit i would have (laughs) just been the way i would have been gagged and i would have been just telling everybody just you gotta see it you gotta go see it i'm only in it for a little bit but my part's really cool and i don't know it just it visually was just stunning to me the oh yeah like her lifting out of the water and then the the title credit coming out from behind the trees and (laughs) rising up into the sky and then that the musical sting coming in everything about it was a plus plus you passed Mm -hmm. you passed with flying colors you're graduating (laughs) and you've got the best job in the industry that's how good it was to me yeah, it was phenomenal. And I agree with the overall note, too, about the opening sequence. I thought that, like, coming into this movie, especially after how much I enjoyed uh, the 2013 remake, um, I didn't I didn't necessarily have my guard up or anything, but I was like, okay, what are we going to do? Like, how are mm-hmm. we going to start this off? How are we going to reintroduce people back into the franchise? And... I will say for this film, I do appreciate that Cronin was definitely doing his own thing while still paying homage to a lot of things that at this point have become staples within the franchise, right? I love that we still start with the POV going through, although it's a different kind of POV because we're using the drone. Um, I just appreciate for all of these like remakes and stuff like that, when we reincorporate the OG stuff, I always like to see it because I like to see what we do differently within how we Mm -hmm. switch it up. I thought the drone idea was a great way to bring this movie into 2023. I made it feel very natural. And then just this entire time that we spend in this cabin, right? One, that the shot of the cabin with like Mm -hmm. the fisheye lens to like make it look like the entire world is like warping around this clearly evil cabin. Fantastic. Um, Jessica's performance as our first Deadite. I think is actually very jarring and very scary. I appreciate it. 
I love that we had the callback to her being able to read what the other character yeah. is is looking at without lo- without seeing it. Yeah, like the playing cards. Yeah, just person. like similar to the playing cards. Just all the small little touches that were added into this opening sequence to be like, hey, we love Evil Dead here mm-hmm. and we are still going to be in the Evil Dead world. We just might do things a little bit differently. Yeah. I appreciated that shit because that's what I wanted coming into this film. I was like, I want it to feel like Evil Dead. But I don't want to just watch Evil Dead 2013 again. Like, I do want to mm-hmm. see something different. I do want to see what you guys do with this. Yeah. And and I think it was cool to start still in the woods and then cut to the city. So mm-hmm. we still got that feeling a little bit. We still got that Evil Dead in the cabin in the woods just at a, for a very small portion. And I also like the idea that it we hop to a day earlier. So it's not even that it went from the woods to the city it's actually vice versa we're just seeing Mm -hmm. it in reverse and so yeah i appreciated that we still began in that way that is familiar with kind of going through the trees and and being in nature and being isolated um and then we cut to that same sort of a feeling but just in a very different way but yeah, I loved the the beginning. The gore is great. The whole scalping situation was awesome. <sighs> I loved that we get when we hop into the situation, it's already in the midst of it. So we've already got a possession situation and we're kind of catching up to it with the characters. And then everything just pops out from there. The... <laughs> The head, the like head decapitation thing was was funny to me. Where his head, where his head plops down on the deck and it's still like, <laughs> it's like that part was funny to me. But yeah, I just thought the whole thing was really really cool. I, you know what it is about it? I think that the opening did very well for me. Is it was just stimulating, like yeah. visually and um with like the audio and even just the characterization of like the situation between the cousins. So how un- unaware of the situation, we have this character who has no idea what's going on, but we know what's already going on. And so like the tension that that built within the audience, I just thought that everything culminated together to just make me feel a lot in the span of five minutes. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that that was really successfully done. So then you jump into the main story, like I said, which was a day earlier. But I feel like then you have this whole like 20 minutes of getting to know the characters that kind of lets you come back down from the high that we started Mm -hmm. at. Because we start at a high and then we come back down, which doesn't always work, but works really well in this movie because we start at a high, come back down for 20 minutes. And then the last hour of this movie, we're ripping. So Mm -hmm. it's like you needed some, uh, you need a breather. Yeah, somewhere in there we needed to take a breath. Yes. And I enjoyed how this film did that. Um, One, I will say, just going quickly back to the beginning and the film overall is... I do think the whole thing shot very beautifully, um, mm-hmm. despite the buckets and buckets of blood that will be shed throughout the course of the runtime. I do think everything is very pretty. Um, everything is very visually stimulating. 
Um, even later on, we get some of those like callback shots where it's like the uh, foreground background shots mm-hmm. where you have a character in the foreground and the background. If you listen to this podcast for a while, you've heard me complain about that. I actually enjoyed it in this film. I thought it was very effective. And like some of the different shots that were used throughout this entire thing, um, honestly, left me quite pleased. Mm-hmm. Um, but I enjoyed getting to know the characters this time around. I loved the setting change. I think moving it out of the forest into somewhere modern was a very fun idea. Like that alone, I feel like I didn't realize how much that would shift the nature of like this franchise until I saw it this way. And I think that putting it in an apartment building was very smart because not only do you isolate these characters into this one location, then you also have the fun of getting other people in the apartment complex involved in the situation. Um, And I also enjoy the fact that this time around we're dealing with a family as -hmm. opposed to just like a bunch of teenagers or just like a group of like boyfriends and girlfriends and stuff like that. Because although that has worked in the past for the other iterations, um, I do think having it be a family matter makes things hit a little differently because it's like now when people are changing, when others are becoming deadites and stuff like that, it's not just like, oh, no, my my boyfriend of a couple of years is now the undead. It's like, oh, no, my sister or my brother or my mom, like yeah. my my blood relatives are the ones who are being affected by this. And I do think that adds a little bit of a weight onto some of these like later situations when like characters are in mortal peril. And it's like, damn. By your own sibling, though? That that sucks. Right. No, yeah. I feel like the familial ties in this just help to... It helps to... Under, it helps the audience understand why it would be so difficult to just give up on this person. It's... it's that's my mom. For three of the people, that's my mom. Which, <laughs> yeah. is a, which is a huge deal. Especially with the age that they are. Because... All of them are at an age where it's not, they've been living, they rely on their mom. They have been living with their mom. It's not like they're off at college or anything like that. They're young, like high school Mm -hmm. and younger. And so this is a big deal because it becomes like, I can't just give up on my mom. That's my mom. And I feel like it's a cool perspective to see because I feel like a lot of times we see the inverse of it where it's like the child in danger mm-hmm. and the parent having to deal with that. And so it's it's interesting to see the opposite where the parent and the adult who should be in control and should be protecting is now the attacker and the kids having to deal with that, especially after losing one parent already in a certain way and now facing another one that you solely rely on and love so much. And then we have Beth, who is Ellie's sister. And with Beth, I feel like when she comes, it's clear that there is some tension between them. But I think what I like about it is it feels like, like a very familiar sibling type of tension. Their issues feel very real. It's not the over-exaggeration of, it's not such a big issue where it's like, I haven't seen you in, like, the like we'll talk about the 2013 one. 
in that situation, it's a brother and sister where the sister is a drug addict. Like, it's a really big deal, the things that they're dealing with. And it just so there's a lot more emotional weight and a lot more of a strain on their relationship that they have to deal with in the film. But what I liked about this one is I feel like this is just a little bit more relatable to most people yeah. because the things that they're fighting about are things that everybody fights about. Like, I fight about my sister all the my older sister all the time is like gets mad at me because I'm so bad about getting back to her. You know, mm -hmm. like I'm bad about calling her back. I'm bad about texting her back. She wants to talk to me more and I'm bad about getting back to her. And that is a lot of what's happening with Ellie and Beth is there is just a disconnect because they're not there for each other as much as they would like to be but i like that even though you can tell when they first see each other they're still angry about that i like that they move on from it like yeah, they're, they're like i'm family. mad at you but i love you so what's going on like i can tell something is wrong with you so let's talk about it and we'll push past this thing that i was mad about and it just feels very i think familiar for people who have siblings because you always have those moments where you're pissed off at them but then you'll move past it because you're like, at the end of the day, you're still my sibling. I mean, obviously, unless there's like bigger issues. But if it's like basic shit like this, you're like, yeah. at the end of the day, we're going to move past this. So like, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> like, what are we, what's going on? Right, exactly. And this movie being grounded in that way, I do like. Um, I can understand some people maybe being put off by that if like, their reference for Evil Dead is some of the earlier stuff where it's a bit more campy, right? And like some of the characters are a little bit more outlandish or, you know, just heightened. Whereas these all feel like really real people. Um, but for me, that worked because, again, when it gets into some of the darker situations, I feel like they felt weightier because these people all felt real. Um, even some of the auxiliary characters are just people who were just living in the apartment building. Mm -hmm. They all seem like real people that you would, you know, maybe see in your Los Angeles apartment, you know, like. I think that in combination with how quickly things are happening really helped to elevate the stakes of this film, because like, I mean, after the earthquake happens and like stuff pops off like it is popping off like you said for the rest of the film yeah and i feel like the amount of time it takes a lot of characters to like figure out things are happening is very realistic as well because it's like a character will leave the apartment come back and is full dead eye and you're like what just happened it was like 10 15 minutes and mm. i think that every character just acting as normal people would really allows you to kind of immerse yourself in this situation. I, I like I almost feel like I'm one of the people in the apartment with them, thankfully unaffected by this stuff. But like, I feel like I'm there kind of experiencing this stuff with them. But yeah, I loved I loved the relationship between Ellie and Beth. And I love the relationship Ellie had with her kids. I even love the relationship between Beth and Ellie's kids. Like I do feel like our core group um, I enjoyed every single one of them. Mm. Um, so by the time we get to the finding of the book and things are starting to take a turn, I'm just in there like, damn, I liked y'all, but I've <laughs> seen other Evil Dead movies and I know how this is about to go. Yeah. See, and I don't 
feel like I'm like so far different from you, but I will say the fur the meeting the characters, I really, really liked what was going on with Ellie and Beth. I had a little bit of a tougher time getting into it with the kids okay. um, until things started popping off. Mm. It's like once things went wrong, I cared and, you know, like, and I didn't want anything to happen to them and I knew that it would, but something about them in the beginning, it just felt so we're quirky kids and here are all of our things. Yeah. And it just felt a little bit like, which isn't bad for an evil dead because although this deal still feel like it carries that tone of what the remake did, that darker tone, the element of the way that these kids were presented almost did feel to me like the original Evil Dead, where it's like everybody has their thing mm -hmm. and that's who they are and that's all they are. And that's what the kids felt like to me until there was more to deal with. Because I feel like Beth and Ellie had a lot of emotional stuff going on, which they're adults and there's shit going on in their lives, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So there is more of a darkness to some of the things that they were dealing with. But then for the kids, it really did feel like like we're in we're in L.A. and I'm a protester. Well, I'm a DJ <laughs> and I like to, you know, it's like yeah, <laughs> it's no, what it felt you. like <laughs> what it felt like a little bit. And that's not like I said, that's not a bad thing. I don't think everybody needs to be have all this shit going on. But I almost felt like. We were the only thing that matters later is like the DJ aspect. And then even the uh, Cassie, like some of the stuff that she talks about earlier kind of comes back for her later on. Um, but a lot of those elements that we learn about them aren't important. Uh, they're just, you know, they just kind of bide our time until things go on a little bit later. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, for the, for the kids stuff, I wasn't really that invested in them until they were in danger. And then I think, I think Cassie though, I was, I actually really liked what they did with Cassie, um, a lot because, but I think it's a little bit easier for her cause she's uh, younger. She's like mm -hmm. a little kid. So she kind of has that like little kid quality that I think it's really easy to just latch on to. Whereas it's a little bit harder to write for teenagers. I, mm -hmm. I, I do think inherently teenagers are an age group where it's it's just a little difficult to write for them and have them be characters that you care about, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. Um, and I do agree that I think once, um, you know, violence is happening, it's much easier to latch onto these kids because they have something to work off of now. They have the threat of um, dying, which is pretty big. But <laughs> um, I, I hear you. I guess for me, a lot of these kids uh, were very similar to kids that I've seen running around here in L.A. Mm -hmm. um, so it was very easy to like see them as a group dynamic. But I, I don't disagree that a lot of their traits kind of led to something, right? Like, they had the specific trait for a reason. Like, it's there for something. Mm -hmm. And even with that being there, though, I do think that by the time they're in danger, I do end up caring about them, though it's hard 
not to be upset with Danny. However, seeing the movie a second time, I was still pissed. I'm not going <laughs> to pretend I wasn't because that was some dumb shit to go down there and take mm-hmm. the book in the first place. But this whole idea that like, all right, these kids don't have a lot going on, right? But at least they're all smart enough or aware enough to know that like their dad has left. They do not have that much money and they're about to not have a place to live. So they need to figure out how to get some money. And Danny thinking that perhaps some of this stuff that was unearthed by this random earthquake could be valuable. I could somewhat see that, but I'm still not going to give a full pass on that because that was some dumb shit to pull that book, that very menacing looking book out of the great beyond that was underneath your apartment building. Unnecessary. Mm -hmm. Uh, So dumb. Yeah. It's, uh, and, and I think inherently throughout the Evil Dead franchise, the biggest issue that they have to overcome or the biggest obstacle that has to be kind of figured out is how does the book get involved? How mm-hmm. do we get this, this force unearthed? And it's the one aspect in every film where you just ha- you're going to have a character who's going to be fucking dumb. And then <laughs> and then you're going to have the audience be irritated by that because you have to. It's somebody has to find the book and somebody has to read the book or listen, or, to, the or listen to the tape. Yeah. Somebody mm-hmm. has to do that and it has to happen. And so there's always going to be a scapegoat character. And it just so happens to be Danny this time. And. Yeah, it's when you think about it in the grand scheme of things and them needing money and them needing to find a new place to stay in less than a month and the mom going through such a hard time and the dad barely being involved now all of a sudden. When you think about it in that terms and if you were a teenager and the type of family that they are where there's just a lot of, it just seems like they kind of do shit off on their own they go on adventures they're la kids well you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like they probably do wild shit all the time but so when you think about it that way it's not totally crazy that danny would just like try and steal something that he thought was valuable to help his family i just think the 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 inciting incident of that is a bit much (laughs) like i I just think it's the earthquake the earthquake is like the earthquake itself. I was like, okay, yeah, that's fine. It's post earthquake jumping into a hole that is underneath the parking garage and walking around down there mm-hmm. and just be bopping around, taking yeah. time, grabbing shit, just, like chit chatting with the dead people. Like, I was like, Danny, I mean, that to me is like a big fucking stretch. That's the point. That's the part where it's, where you're just wanting to shake Danny because once they're up and they already have the book and all that stuff happens, that to me is not that big of a deal because I'm like, of course, curiosity is going to get you. It's physically having to get the book that I was just kind of rolling my eyes at, especially Mm -hmm. because the earthquake had just happened. You've got your little sister with you. You've got your other sister with you who's explicitly telling you to stop doing what you're doing. I almost wish that the earthquake had happened 
earlier and there was more space between that danger and the hole. Because if it had been a while and, and they just discovered this hole and were kind of like interested in it, I don't think that would have been that would have been crazy. But yeah, I mean, it's in that. And that's that's an issue that I've had because I had the same kind of kind of qualms about the the remake originally, too, mm-hmm. is like when you start to put more story into these movies and it's not just a bunch of dumb teenagers in a cabin like doing crazy shit. You got to find some wild ways to get the book. That's that you can't rely on. Like, well, they're just dumb. They're not dumb characters by any means. They're smart. Yeah, um, smart, but it's a dumb move. I, I will wholeheartedly <laughs> agree with that. It was a stupid move. Um, however, once we get up there and Danny begins to listen to these tracks, I, I love the recording sequence in this, actually. I mm-hmm. think that it was done very well. I, I actually really enjoy the fact that, like, once the second record started playing, that it just wouldn't stop. Yeah. And, like, I thought that that idea was very cool. Uh, talking about sound and, like, parts that probably blew your hair back, this is probably one of those moments because I feel like the sound, like, the sound jump scares for the uh, for the demonic reading were fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess Bruce Campbell cameo on the track as well right he's he's the very discernible voice that says why don't we just try it it's called the book of the dead for a reason or whatever he says he's like the only person in there who doesn't have an accent or like (laughs) out of the out of the crowd so it's Mm -hmm. it's very very clear (laughs) now switching to track two on them turntables i am side-eyeing that still though because like i feel like after hearing the first one i would have been like I'm I'm satisfied. I've heard enough. Right. I mean, especially because this book has teeth. You know, so. I, dude. That's what I was literally just about to say. It's the teeth for me because <laughs> it's one thing. The book of a this kind of worn leather look is is back in style. So I can see how <laughs> kids of today would be would think, oh, this looks kind of cool. Um, but it's the teeth and the fact that post cutting yourself on them the sharpest of all the teeth apparently that they unlatch like a jaw and then you open it up and there's some wild pictures in this book so yeah i think that might have given me pause now also bridget you should have taken that you should have taken that shit with you you knew your brother you knew that danny wasn't gonna listen to you yeah. You knew it and you left. And not only did you leave, you closed both of the double doors behind you and said, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I agree. I like that the tape or the um, even when you try to stop it, it kept going and just finished up the ritual once it had already began. Because I like that Danny realizes, oh, this is a bad idea. Yeah, he knows. Mm-hmm. And I also like that. There's you can tell that once things start going bad that in the back of both uh his and bridget's mind you can tell that their wheels are turning and that they i appreciate that they're not that they don't try and put logical or like you know reasoning behind it i like that immediately they're like we did some bad we have we we did this like Mm -hmm. this is our doing because of this thing i like that that clicks in a place for them fairly early on and it's not this thing where they're trying to say oh she's just sick everything 
ramps up so quickly. It's very, very clear that this is not just a, oh, I've got the flu type of <laughs> situation. Yeah. Also, that being said, the elevator scene is... Ooh. is All the, the elevator, elevator scenes, scene, yeah. <laughs> yes. But this first one, what I do appreciate about it is it that takes the idea of what the possession is normally like and changes it a bit. So there's similarities to what you are expecting, but it's different, but it's still horrifying to watch. And because I mean, it's breaking all her bones and mm -hmm. like the way that the light gets all bright around her and she's like stuck in this that, crazy that position pose, yeah yeah <laughs> i thought that man. looked I th <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> i thought that that looked really cool and it helped make this thing that normally happens out in the woods it really still worked in a city setting mm -hmm. and i think having it on the elevator was one of the best ideas because you still have that isolation aspect but within urban setting and the wires instead of the vines like i just feel like everything being substituted for a more city um like item like or urban, aspect. urban aspect yeah, yeah i feel like it really really worked and mm -hmm. i think that that was the one thing that i was wondering is okay how because honestly from the trailer, I didn't think that they were even going to... It didn't ever seem like any neighbors or anything else was going to be involved. So when the movie started and I realized that this was a a floor that was full of other people, I did kind of wonder how they were going to do that. And mm -hmm. I think they were still really successful with still feeling isolated and alone despite having other people around that could potentially help. Yeah. And so, I mean, after the elevator sequence happens, which is phenomenal, um, again, MVP elevator throughout the whole film, um, we start now leaning into the Deadite portion, which Alyssa Sutherland, God damn, you killed that. <laughs> like, you yeah. killed that shit. Because now in my head, when I think of a Deadite, I am going, my brain is going to zap directly to her performance here. Agreed. I think she, I think Ellie might be my favorite deadite that we have gotten. Mm -hmm. I think that she is going to be up there with my favorite portrayal, my favorite moments. And there's something so frightening about, I think it's because of the motherly aspect and like how the deadite pulls from that and still tries to portray this very like come to mommy vibe mm -hmm. while being horrifying and so like grotesque and and crude but also keeping this kind of like maternal aspect so the dichotomy of it was fucking me up and and yes i just think that the performance was in like so so good mm -hmm. so good yeah and I, I mean we're kind of in a little bit of a possession renaissance right now 
Um, yeah. A lot of possession movies coming out. And coming back to this franchise, I realize Evil Dead has just got some of my favorite possessions in it, um, mostly because of how playful the Deadites are. Um, as it said, even in the recordings and stuff like that, this entity likes to mess with you. It's not just about killing you. It's about mm-hmm. putting you through as much torment and agony as possible before finally doing the deed. And like, so the way that this, this deadite is now taking over Ellie and just playing with her family essentially now, um, is bare is just so disturbing. Um, but in the best possible way, I also actually appreciate the fact that um, unlike some of the previous entries where some of the earlier deadites are like they transform and then we either like lock them in a basement or like lock them somewhere. I appreciate the fact that she's just unleashed onto this onto this floor like she's sure at some point we have her locked out of the apartment for a brief period of time. But for the most part, she gets to walk around. She gets to do her full deadite thing. And I love that. I loved having the unhinged uh, deadite this time around. Mm-hmm. Just go around and do whatever they felt necessary. Um, but I, I and I also too though loved the process of her changing because like she gets possessed, but she doesn't necessarily reach her final form until a couple scenes later. But I feel like every transitional scene up until she has fully been captured by this possession is honestly so good like i loved Mm. all of them yeah and i do love i know it's kind of corny but i love i love when people are possessed and they're like protect and then they go before (laughs) before something happens to them or you know like something whatever is happening to them and they use their final moment to be like save save them save my children please don't 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 let them get my babies yeah i don't know i love that shit i was like yeah but and of course it's not successful like uh two of the kids do die (laughs) (laughs) um which i will say i do appreciate because one of the things that i saw people being worried about when this trailer came out is the fact that some of our characters were so young and were they going to be afraid of going after the kids they are not in this at movie. <laughs> they are not at all. I will say it's like very, I felt like it was very obvious that Cass, Cassie was going to be okay. Um, mm-hmm. But. To be fair, she is traumatized for this life and right. all preceding lives past this. Physically, she's kicking. She's fine. <laughs> Mentally, this girl is never going to be the same. Never, <laughs> ever, ever, ever going to be the same. Um, but. Yeah, they don't, they, the kids are, you know, fair game in this film. And, and now also though, we do get to see a kid die who does not seem that much older than Cassie, Mm -hmm. the neighbor, the little brother of, um, that's the neighbor. I mean, he dies and he also seems about Cassie's age, maybe a little bit older than her. Mm -hmm. So it's not, it wasn't unbelievable that they would maybe do something to her. But I just think by the, as the time went on, it just, as many times as she had been saved, I started to think, okay, either Beth is going to die and Cassie's going to be alone or they're both going to survive. But by that point, I was like, Cassie's going to make it. She's gotten far too, way too far for her to not at this point. But, um, I mean, I love how, when she comes, like I said, when she comes back in 
and they're still having that conversation and stuff and she's still sort of herself yeah she's not fully left yet Mm -hmm. i mean that is still so creepy and then it just gets worse and worse and worse from there but i do love that first bit of when we see her where it's still like a meld of ellie Mm -hmm. um and she has a whole speech about wanting to like go inside of their skin and become like stay a family forever Mm -hmm. and then the throw up of a thousand streams (laughs) it was like the longest the longest spew of vomit that (laughs) has happened i love everybody's just backing up but they're like backing up one step at a time like as it (laughs) as it approaches the way i would have been across the room (laughs) <laughs> they would have turned around. I would have been gone already. Like, no, thank you. I know it stinks in there. Mm-hmm. No, that was <laughs> gross. And then she just face plants into that. I was like, ooh, yeah. the commitment. I love that. It just, that possession, dude, it's so good. Because, like, that happens. And then we get the other, obviously, we get the other neighbors involved because they're freaking out. They don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, poor Gabriel. I, I appreciate you being like, can we at least pray? Because I... I love that he can tell there is some demonic, not good shit happening here. He's like, Mm. we need a little bit of Jesus in this apartment complex. Right. But also, like, (laughs) that's a wild thing. I was thinking about it afterwards. That's wild that because they think that Ellie is dead. They so he's like, I want to make sure she like crosses into the next life safely, whatever. Let's can I pray? Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, to have your neighbor come over and be like, yo, Ellie's dead. Will you come? Can you come help me with that body? Or, or <laughs> are you busy? Or like, can you help me put my sister's body, dead body in the bed? And then just let's go from there. Because, yeah, she has to recruit the neighbors because the stairs got ruined in the earthquake. That's another thing. They can't leave. They're very yeah, high up. It's just another another reason I don't want to live in a, an apartment building that high because I don't ever want to not be able to get down. Mm-hmm. And like, that's what they're dealing with. The elevators won't close all the way. And so you cannot use the elevator. And then the, the stairs are... Danny says they're gone. And for some reason, I thought uh, when, they, when Beth goes through the door, I literally thought they were just going to be gone. Like, I thought they were just going to be... <laughs> There's going to be an empty space. But then I was like, oh, yeah, there was an earthquake. That makes way more fucking sense. <laughs> but for some reason, I thought there was just going to be like an empty black hole where the stairs oh used my to be. God. <laughs> you thought they were going to pull a, oh, what was the movie we just watched? Um, The really quiet one where we're looking at walls. Oh, skin of rink. <laughs> yeah, you thought they were about to pull a skin of yeah. rink. I'm just gonna, yeah, like, and it was going to be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, whoa. Um, but I do like that element as well, because then you have this whole isolated floor. And it's just so crazy to think that on other floors, people are just chilling, living their life. And it's mm-hmm. like <laughs> on this floor up there, everything is absolutely popping off. But yeah, the neighbor's get pulled into this situation unfortunately unwittingly and it's an and it's i think what's nice about it is like gabriel is very very helpful and he's very he seems like a very good person and he seems like he was friendly with ellie and her family like knows them what i do like though is 
I like that the other neighbor also is very helpful in his own way because oh, yeah, at like first, Mr. Fonda or whatever. His yeah, name is. at first I thought he was gonna be just this like crotchety old guy who was didn't want to be involved and like didn't want to help, but he's actually not. He's just a guy that seemingly likes to smoke his cigarettes and hang out with his cat and like is yeah. just kind of like, dealing with it. People, yeah. Yeah, he's like, I want to be alone, but if you guys need help, I'll help you. I don't know. I just, I liked him as a character, but yeah, he gets, he gets taken out as well. And like I said, so do the two younger kids from one of the apartment buildings who yeah. came to visit Bridget earlier. They also get taken out. One of them chokes on an eyeball, and I guess it is presented to us that that is the way that he dies. Yes, it is. <laughs> Uh, and I love that too because that's a callback to either the first or second one. Um, somebody does die that way. I remember um, that one. It's fun. I'm happy that that death was in there just to like have some variety with like, especially like the hallway sequence because it's brutal. Like everybody dies mm -hmm. some brutal deaths, but that one is is at least slightly comedic in tone yeah. so that kind of brings it back a little bit to the campiness that this franchise is known for but i funny enough the first time the hallway sequence happened i liked it i didn't love it mm -hmm. second time i saw it i absolutely adored it it's it's honestly one of the highlights of this film for me is just mm -hmm. the amount of chaos that happens after Ellie gets unleashed back into that hallway because I mean we have the whole resurrection thing which both viewings of this film everybody laughed when Gabriel tried to close her eyes and then her eyes popped back open everybody <laughs> <Yeah>. laughed <laughs> both times which I also laughed because I think it's so funny um and then the fly going on her eye like all those little touches were really really good but mm -hmm. I feel like it's just how quickly shit hits the fan once it does hit the fan because she like ellie murders the entire floor mm -hmm. in a matter of like five minutes like it's very very quick yeah it's like, how she kills them after this movie was over i just thought how many people would have been fine if they had just prescribed to mind your business <laughs> mind your motherfucking business and stay stay alert because mm -hmm. I mean, all of the people are out in the hallway <laughs> because they're trying to see what's going on. And that's why all of them die. And then later on, our our girl from the lake, when she first gets possessed, she does so because she did not mind her business, which I mean, I understand why she didn't. But look, if everybody just kind of kept their head their head straight ahead uh no no peripherals no nothing i do not see i do not hear mm -hmm. some of these people would have been alive possibly <laughs> but i don't know ellie was on a war path but um i think moving into the ramped up section here where everybody's dying mm -hmm. um ellie is on the hunt now i again i love the pacing i do think things happen at an appropriate time I feel like every time there is a little bit of a lull, it never lasts for too long. Like something else is very quickly coming um, soon after any little rest that we get. Um, oh, and I also have to say, um, can we please bring back non-lethal damage to main characters? Because I freaking loved it in this one. The amount mm -hmm. that Beth was getting messed up throughout this film, but had to just keep trucking. I thought that that added so much more to yeah. the stakes. It made it so much more fun. Like the opening 
of all the terror, she takes glass straight through the hand. Mm -hmm. And although I will say, although I love it, it did bring up a slight plot hole for me because like I feel like there is this idea that some of this possession is transferred via like blood. Yeah. And so like that's how we get Bridget. However, I feel like we very clearly see a bloody piece of glass when uh when Ellie's stabbing Beth. However, Beth doesn't change due to that glass. I let it go because you know maybe maybe somehow the blood didn't mix there. But that was one time where like the second time watching I was like, hmm interesting that you plot yeah. armored through that well and that's that's the thing about it too i did i i by the end of it i was like just don't overthink it because i was wondering the same thing as well about how sometimes blood i guess it just depends on what exactly it is or what exactly is happening or how they want to transfer it it seems like maybe you need a lot of blood or something because I so yeah I know for Bridget obviously Ellie licks her wound and like gets all that black shit into it so like that one's a given and then for Danny Bridget throws up blood mm -hmm. into into his mouth so it, it almost feels like it has to be a very like intentional yes intentional transfer through the mouth or of of or of something like that where they have to actively be like i am uh, infecting you mm -hmm. but then at the same time i don't know if that's what happened with the people in the hallway i don't know if that sort of a situation happened because near the end you know we have both beth and cassie who are absolutely drenched in blood by the end of it i mean beth is bathing in the thing's <laughs> blood as she's pushing it into the grinder yeah and beth is okay so yeah i don't i by the end of it i was like just don't think too much about it but it's, and that's, it was that's something the way I, to go it is that, something that struck me also <laughs> yeah you're you're not meant to think that much into it and it's very much a nitpick yeah um but it was something that i thought uh i did really actually appreciate uh bridget's dead eye a lot Mm -hmm. um i didn't realize how much of a menace she was going to be once she became dead eyed form but she was up there with ellie in terms of just the sheer amount of chaos that she was causing yeah um, also the effect of the gunk coming out of her eyes and like her nose and stuff mm -hmm. for me looked fantastic i yeah. love that visual effect it looks really cool if you guys have ever seen the billy eilish's music video for when the party's over it's like that same effect where the black stuff comes out of her eyes and her nose and and then she like vomits up maggots. Mm -hmm. And I love that bit where she's chewing on the glass and she's like, I got to kill She'll the creepy collies in my tummy. tummy. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's I, like, I don't know. There's something because they're of who these people are. I love the way that the deadites talk. Like, I love the way mm -hmm. that they phrase things through through them just because it's like they almost lean into that kid like quality and then that mother like quality and they yeah. use that to be creepy and scary and i love that also bridget's dead eye it does one of my favorite moments of damage where she cheese grates ah. beth's leg honestly that's the only thing in this one that made me wince was the cheese grater which is so funny because like out of all the damage that happens in this film it's like one of the lesser damaging yeah. things that happens but i think for all of us even when we saw the trailer 
It was the idea of someone taking a cheese grater to your leg that just sent shivers down every single spine that saw it. It's the force behind it and the the it's because you know that they're taking their time and like grating against your leg Mm -hmm. is what got it for me. And so, yeah, that is that was one of my favorite moments. That was the only part that made me. That was only part of gore that made me cringe. Where I yeah. was like, Ugh. They even had like I noticed a uh, second time there was a little bit of flesh in there too. I was like, oh god, she pulled mm-hmm. the skin off of that. <laughs> but I also, yeah, I also really liked um, Bridget as a deadite. It happened much quicker than I was expecting. Honestly, I thought Bridget was going to survive a lot longer. And so I thought Bridget and Danny weren't going to be flipped. And I Mm. thought maybe Danny was going to get taken out fairly quickly. And so I was really surprised when Bridget became a deadite as quickly as she did. But I, I did appreciate it because obviously once Ellie goes out into the hallway our characters are not in immediate danger. And so there did need to be something else happening inside of the apartment. So I like that they had Bridget change and be a little bit of a menace for, for that kind of transitionary period until Ellie could get back inside. Um, I don't know how nobody no didn't notice that Bridget was gone for so long, um, yeah. especially since she was wounded. But there was also some other shit going on because this is when Danny tells Beth, yeah, what what is going on. Which, and- like he, like you said earlier, um, again, I actually think kudos to Danny for how quickly he decided. Let me just fill you in on everything that's going on. I feel like the record happens. And then all of this crazy stuff happens. By the time we finally get this respite when Ellie is out in the hallway, this is the mo- the first moment where there's been enough of a breather to be like, Beth, I got, there's something you, yeah. gotta, you gotta see. Like, it, again, going back to the pacing, it just felt like the most realistic time to be like, we need to talk about this. Mm-hmm. And I love that the character didn't keep it a secret anymore. It was like, clearly... Some supernatural shit happened when that book came in here, and now some super supernatural shit's happening now. So mm-hmm. these two and two have to be together. Um, I appreciated that, but yeah, I think that was supposed to be like the main cause for like allowing these characters to separate for a little bit. Um, it was dumb as bricks for them to uh, leave poor little Cassie by herself. But yeah. I guess technically she was left with Bridget. Right. When they went to go do stuff. So, like, I do get it. It's just, like, in that, there's that brief moment where everybody separates. And I feel like you as the audience go are just like, oh, my God. Why guys. Well, and even later when Beth decides to close the door and wear headphones separately from the kids. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Beth. Yeah. Beth. What are we doing? I get the idea behind it. I get she there, didn't yeah, want to play it out loud. It. She didn't want to play it out loud. She was under the assumption that maybe something bad would happen and she wanted to separate herself from the kids just in case that did happen. But that does end up biting her in the ass. It's just for me personally, if it were me, I would be stuck <laughs> like glue to people. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, you got to use the bathroom. Guess what? I'm coming too. Oh, what's up? <laughs> You're going into your bedroom for a second. I'll be there. <laughs> say less i would have been absolutely stuck on these people but yeah. i will say danny's i do love this part where it's like on in both areas someone's coming up behind our main characters to surprise mm-hmm. 
Danny's death, despite Danny kind of being frustrating in that beginning bit of of the choices and the decisions that were made, I feel like Danny's death to me was the most emotionally impactful. This whole sequence with with like um, saving Cassie and then Mm -hmm. fighting back against Bridget and getting first of all visually this looks really fucking cool because by the end of it danny is like covered in blood from head Mm -hmm. to toe um but there's this whole thing where bridget before she was a deadite made danny feel like this was all his fault and then again as a deadite she says like don't you wish you didn't fucking like get that book before Mm -hmm. she like stabs the shit out of him and i don't know i i think that there's something really tragic about Danny because that's like the last thing that he remembers he'll remember like you know remember being told oh, yeah. is like you you this is your fault and I I don't know it, it, it like him apologizing to Cassie as he's dying I just thought that that was really like really hit emotionally mm-hmm. in a way that although I liked Bridget I didn't necessarily feel anything when she became a dead eye just because of everything was moving so fast yeah. and then i feel like you know it's it's un- it's really sad what happens to ellie but that happens really early on so you kind of get a chance to move on from that but for some reason i think it was the timing of it and the what it meant to danny that that death out of everything in this movie i think for me felt the most tragic and like the most impactful i i mean i could see that um because in a way it's one of the few um family deaths that we do see like on Mm -hmm. screen on screen right yeah and it's also one where we don't also have the luxury of getting to play with them very much longer either where at least with ellie and bridget um we still get to have fun with them as deadites you know and although Danny does become a Deadite as well, it's for much less, uh, much less time than the other one. Mm-hmm. So when we lose that character, it really feels like it's like, okay, well, he's gone, gone. And you know what it is? I think it's also the knowledge that this is the last of Cassie's family as well, yeah. where it's like this is her whole family minus her aunt is now dead. This poor, poor poor young child has just witnessed absolute travesties across the board. And now Mm -hmm. she's watching her brother die. And yeah, I I could see where the emotions could rise up there. So like I, I felt for Danny by the end, even though I was of the camp of people who was frustrated about him in the beginning. Um, And I do think that he has at least a little bit of a redemption in the way that he fought for Cassie and was going to do whatever it took to keep her safe. Um, I thought that that was very noble. I will say in this sequence too, though, uh, in the other room, when Ellie sneaks up on Beth via the vents, I absolutely love the moment of Beth stabbing Ellie with the screwdriver. (laughs) Yeah. And Ellie just looking at her like, bitch, what? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we immediately... Jump cut to uh, to Beth being launched out of Grown. the room. Yeah, yeah, I know. I like that too. Also, while we're talking about Beth, how did you feel about Beth's whole subplot with the pregnancy? With thing? the pregnancy, it like 
I could do without it, to be honest, mm-hmm. but I'm okay with it, I guess is the easiest thing to say. I didn't necessarily love it. I feel like it was important to to Cronin, and I feel like it was important to the script and the project. But for me, what it was trying to do in terms of like themes and whatnot, I it just didn't it didn't hit me in the way that like perhaps it was meant to. But I understand yeah. like what they were going for. Um, I liked seeing the duality of like the different stages of motherhood, I guess, and then like even as we get in towards the end with our marauder creature and like what that might symbolize for like family and like motherhood it's all okay you know it wasn't my favorite but i didn't hate it either Mm -hmm. it was just kind of it was just kind of there and i feel like every time we took little moments to talk about it it did feel a little abrupt like i do feel like things were kind of going 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 and it was like okay beth mom bit and then going 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 again um however when ellie tries to actually rip a fetus out of her stomach it made it slightly worth it at least for like that (laughs) brief moment (laughs) yeah yeah i really didn't know how i felt about it either because i guess i just didn't really know what it was trying to say um maybe i just maybe it was just going like way over my head mm-hmm. i mean i i understand the whole of obviously like they're playing with the idea of motherhood in this film like it's an important aspect and and beth obviously wasn't this pregnancy was not expected or doesn't even seem like something that she maybe necessarily wanted but then by the end of it she does want to have the baby and also now is going to be taking care of cassie so mm-hmm. I and I and I guess there's this whole idea of like, oh, their mom was not a good mom. And so it seems like Beth does not want to continue is is scared to have kids as a result, because that's one of the last things that dead eyed Ellie kind of taunts Beth about is that she's going to screw up just like their mom screwed up. And so, yeah, I mean, I guess there like there are some moments where like you said, the whole thing with that was where she's like, oh, two, like, I'm going to drag your soul. Oh, two souls to hell. Um, where that works and where they're kind of like messing with her throughout. Like Bridget makes that comment about not liking things in her tummy or mm-hmm. that she doesn't want there and stuff like that. And so, like, I, I kind of like like it for the psychological tormenting that they're able to do with, yeah. with her. But I feel like in the like as a whole for the plot it just felt kind of like it was it feels more like it was pushed into the story rather than it fit like it didn't always feel like it fit to me it almost felt like they wanted to make it fit and so they were like we're gonna add this here we're gonna add this here and so that's where it started to take me out is i was like this just just not seem like it needs to be in this film (laughs) i i absolutely agree with you part of me does kind of like the idea that beth kind of arrived here to like sort out this pregnancy Mm -hmm. and like kind of talk it out with her sister and whatnot and then just all of this shit is happening yeah (laughs) so like i think it's like the one-two punch of like finding out you're pregnant and on the same day watching your sister and two of your sister's kids Mm -hmm. die um just like these compounding traumas 
I do kind of appreciate that in the grand scale of things. But in the moment, it's just like, it's one of those things, like, it's there. It's not my favorite, but it took me out more the first time around. Second time, knowing it was going to be in there, it didn't bug me as much. Mm-hmm. But um, it, I agree. It, it felt kind of forced in there a little bit. But yeah, the psychological, the psychological damage, it, it was kind of worth, a little bit worth. <laughs> um, and it, and it, gave, it gave Beth something to navigate as well, I guess, mm-hmm. um, on an emotional scale. But um, I, was, I was much more in it for the gore and the, uh, and the Deadite just shenanigans that were happening. Um, coming back to the MVP elevator. Shout out to the blood elevator scene. I was not expecting to get that shining homage in here, but damn it, I didn't realize how much I missed the blood elevator. And I'm a little jealous because it's like, I feel like the blood elevator is one of those things that you can only do every like couple of years slash decades because like once somebody does it well, you just can't do it again for a while because otherwise you're just copying them, right? Mm -hmm. So like, I feel like, it's been long enough since we got a good blood elevator that this blood elevator hit the spot. For me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great scene, and I love. I think the way that everything plays out in this ending sequence, I feel like it's very earned, and mm-hmm. I like the sequencing of events of trying to get into the room, you can't get in. You go into the elevator and you find the keys and and how it's like, oh, this elevator can hold only hold so many people. And so it drops like every the way that everything leads sequentially into the next thing in this ending, I think is honestly one of the smoothest parts of this film is this ending bit. Not to say that the other parts weren't, but something about how we had so many callbacks to things that have been mentioned earlier in this ending. It just felt very satisfying to me. And I really appreciated it because I do think the end of a movie like this is so important because you're dealing with something that is unstoppable and we have now like learned every which way that this is unstoppable and so the ending is so important on okay so now what what do we do um how is this battle going to play out because there has to be a battle and it's different now because you're you've escaped the building but you haven't And that's where I feel like this movie really could have stumbled is it's like, okay, we can't leave the building, but we have to be on the cusp of leaving the building. So what do we do? First of all, the whole creature, the like mighty Morphin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that had me shook. I didn't I did not expect that, but I feel like that also worked looks really cool, feels very creepy, and uh, I don't know. It just, like, cr- uh, the, the I, I will say I really didn't know. I did not understand what was happening for a good bit of it where they were just sticking their hands the, and their arms yeah. into her. I really was confused. I, I had no idea what, what they were doing, but it was all worth it when you discovered that they were doing what she said earlier and like going into each other's skin and becoming one big family. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that worked really, really well because I, although it was a cool concept, I was a little bit worried about how it would 
work like physically and mm-hmm. if it would be as scary as multiple deadites coming at you now that they were one thing i was like what how is this going to be but once again i think that just they they knew exactly when to do that and choreographed it in such a way where it still felt impactful and it still felt as scary as multiple deadites running at you and i think that's just because they knew exactly how to use it and like how to make it still feel like a very very tangible threat and Mm -hmm. still feel fast and still feel powerful and it does yeah it absolutely does it it very much breathes a boss fight um, at the (laughs) ending here but yeah i i agree the first time it happened i was like this is this is wild that this is happening right now, mm-hmm. but okay. Um, there is again, I give it up to the movie because it stumbles in a couple places, but I do think a lot of things are kind of based in logic because by the time that we get the creature, the Marauder creature, it is right after Ellie has kind of incapac or sorry, Beth has incapacitated Ellie to the point where it's like, well, Ellie's missing a leg and like an arm Mm -hmm. at this point. So she's not as much of a threat as she was before. But now with their powers combined, she becomes a threat once again in becoming this creature. And so like even that subtle little moment of like, well, why are we even doing this in the first place? Well, she can't really move around anymore. So like now the kids are kind of helping her move around. Yeah. Um, I thought it's like a smart move there. And then... Even getting into this last portion, which is great. I love the callbacks to the chainsaw, the blood rain, like all these little homages again to earlier entries in the franchise. I think that these were fantastic. I also like the idea of um, it's been established previously that there are multiple of these Necrocomicons, these Book of the Deads, and they all operate on their own different systems. I kind of liked that this system was... Nah, you can't burn them, you can't chop Mm -hmm. them, you can't bury them. There is no way to stop this shit other than to erase them from existence. Mm -hmm. Um, I liked that take on having to deal with the Deadites. And so getting into into the ending portion, it's like, how do we do that, right? The wood chipper and stuff, we've established a character where it would make sense that they would have this. And I enjoy that the Marauder was trying to use that to kill Beth as opposed to just kind of like, you know, when like creatures just line themselves up into the perfect spot to be defeated. Yeah. I was I was very worried about that and the wood chipper sequence, but I mm-hmm. don't think that it plays out that way. I do feel like it plays out that the character, our main character is in imminent, uh, imminent danger and they just kind of outsmart the creature. Mm-hmm. Granted, the only little nitpick I'll give there is... They were very cognizant of their surroundings when we were leading up to the wood chipper. But then the moment they start trying to kill Beth, they just completely forget that Cassie's around and don't see her or hear her messing with the wood chipper to turn it off. A little skeptical there. Again, it's one of those (laughs) things where it's like, you're not supposed to think that deep. It's not that deep. Yeah. Um, But I liked it. I liked it a lot. I love seeing the body parts and and the blood and the chunks flying everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, I love that the way that it sprinkles onto the car with like the raindrop sounds is like the 
it's just all good, man. Mm-hmm. This, this ending, it slaps. I, I was really into it. It is really good. And what I will say about Cassie is I do think that there is a feeling of it feels like Ellie, dead-eyed Ellie, never thought that Cassie would ever do something to hurt her because it feels like even to the end, Ellie is really using this whole like, I'm your mom. I'm just your mom. Like, I'm a cool mom. Don't you want to <laughs> don't you want to hang out with me? This whole idea of to get Cassie to put her guard down a lot. And even still after Cassie says, you're not my mom anymore. I feel like Ellie still plays into that and is trying to make her and Beth feel bad because she does the same thing to Beth before Beth pushes her in. Mm-hmm. She gives one final like, please don't do this. Bethy boo. Wanna, um, which I will say, Cassie, I mean, kind of comes does come through clutch. That is one thing I will say that I appreciate is I like that even though she is a little girl, I like that they give her things to do. She's not just there to be saved. Like she's yeah. not just a damsel in distress. Like obviously she needs some help because she is smaller and scared, but she does come through and yeah, save people multiple times. Multiple times. I love um, that Stephanie was not just a red yeah. herring that it was used for something. Mm-hmm. She came through with the scissors, which we didn't talk about, but the scissors through the nose. Love that. That was yeah. That was that brutal. Was also, that was also a good callback. Because I, I like I love when I forget about stuff. Because like Stephanie, I remember, but the whole thing with the scissors completely forgot about that. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate when things like that come back and kind of take you by surprise. Yeah. And I like how earlier she was chasing Bridget with Stephanie, like pretending mm-hmm. she was gonna stab her, and then she ends up stabbing her with it later. So but good. I will say there is one shot that I didn't really like and that's the camera attached to the actor running shot uh, mm. it just doesn't it does not always work for me it didn't work for me in this one I, it's a small moment yeah. but it did uh, when it happened i i almost laughed <laughs> which it would have been fine it would have mm. been fine i think if i laughed because like the evil dead movies are a mixture of of comedy and and horror but I don't think that that was meant to be a moment of comedy and it kind of struck me as it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I hear you there. It was a directorial choice. I, I liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, also got to give flowers to Lily Sullivan in the last bit too. Like once she goes full, full chainsaw blood rage, I, it's so good. Like the look <laughs> in her eyes when she's just drenched in blood, just chainsawing, what used to be her sister and her kids, mm-hmm. 10 out of 10, would have that posted on my wall. Um, <laughs> I think that that performance was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, again, across the board, I, I enjoyed every performance from main characters to auxiliary characters. I think everybody did great with what they were given and really helped elevate a lot of these scenes to make them um, as fun as they could be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And now in with the ending... I get it. She's on a different floor. I get it. I get it. But the idea, just the sheer idea that she managed, that Miss Jessica managed to go that entire night without even once thinking, what's happening down there beyond me? I I just, I can't, I can't let it go. Yeah. But I think 
Because what floor were they on? I think they were on the fourth floor and then she was on the fifth floor. So she was one floor above them. Oh, she was? Okay. I think so, I right? Thought, I thought that they were higher than her. I I think. I think that that's how it was. But I could be wrong about that. Fair. Part of me feels like they were on like the eighth floor. There were Because like, their apartment was 85. Yeah. Was it? Their apartment was 85 because 87 was the apartment that was they had to gotcha. go through to get to the fire escape. So part of me feels like they were on the eighth floor. And I feel like with this, the the um, the blood elevator open. buttons. Yeah, I feel like I remember them being like really high up, higher there. up. Yeah. OK, so perhaps she was on. There was enough floors there that she wouldn't notice. Yeah, um, well, and she's a blip. Like she is. She's very not she's paying very attention. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also, too, I guess if you think about it, like their building is falling apart is one thing that a lot of them complain about. And there was an earthquake, so I mean, yeah. I feel like even if she noticed, she probably would wouldn't care. Like she'd be like, wouldn't "Oh shit, cared. the earthquake fucked these stairs up," but she probably wouldn't like stop or mm-hmm. like think about and it. And then on her phone call too, she does make some mentions about how like. It was raining and there was thunder. So like she mm-hmm. was hearing things throughout the night. They I I could see them covering their tracks about how she makes it down there obliviously. It it's funny. I, I think it's a funny moment. Um it's a little unbelievable, but I I can for the sake of the movie believe it just because like it very much ties things up into a little bow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then this is where she gets possessed and then mm-hmm. proceeds to go on her trip which is another i'm like so she got possessed and then she drove, drove. pick up her cousin <laughs> and drove to the lake house <laughs> i'm like it's fine but yeah but i like i said i like how the whole time there is this question of like okay if this is happening a day earlier how do we get it to the cabin and mm-hmm. so i liked that i thought it was cool it was like a nice little button because as soon as you see her walk out of the apartment you know like oh okay how is she gonna how is she gonna bring this to? And I and I was like, oh, is she gonna get the book somehow? But what what ends up happening is it like works, and you know, I guess makes sense in the sense of it's been released and is just kind of there now. So yeah. I guess you know would be free to kind of go into a new person. But um, yeah, I like that as as the button. Uh, at least we know that our our two main characters are good to go but and it's a wild way to end because then it's it, we know that this whole new situation at the lake that's ongoing that's yeah something that is not there's stopped. no resolution for that yeah there is nothing <laughs> as far as we know she's levitating and she is about <laughs> to go fuck the world up because mm-hmm. nothing is there to stop that situation yeah and so yeah it kind of leaves an open-ended um if you like think back on the beginning like that kind of leaves an open-ended conclusion for this film that Mm -hmm. can kind of go anywhere if they want to just continue the story off of that which i would be very surprised if they didn't continue off of where they've left things here um so yeah uh good good ending for me i feel like they nailed stuck the landing for the ending which made me very happy and on the, all in all, I think this is a really fun movie. Like, yeah, I like I said, once I got past the, the that 20 minutes of like the get to know everybody section, that last hour for me flew. Like mm-hmm. I I could tell we were getting to the end because of what was happening. But 
it felt like it was flying to me and it feels like just a fun a fun horror movie just like for the gore and the bloodbath and that's what you want from this franchise and i feel like they did really come through on that yeah no absolutely this movie by itself kind of like reignited my appreciation for this franchise mm -hmm. makes me want to go back and like watch some of the entries that i've missed over the years like even going more into like the ash williams universe and just to see the different variants of evil dead uh this movie did a great job and just like bringing the hype for that and i think even franchise aside like you said it's just one of those fun horror flakes that i feel like mm -hmm. really captures that essence of like why you go to go see scary movies you know you want to see some frightening things with some interesting characters and you want to see some wacky things um and shenanigans ensue and i feel like this movie has that in spades i think that um along with that it is a fairly tight script that still is grounded um and logical in a lot of places and so despite how absolutely bonkers nuts some of the these things get <laughs> um it still has something strong to work off of and mm. yeah i i just had a great time both times that i went to go see it i thought that it was a blast um and yeah good good freaking horror movie man <laughs> yeah good good time fun times uh so that being said i guess we should figure out what we want to rate this out of <sighs> that's true and i feel like i've got a good a good contender here okay because um, i just don't think we're ever gonna see staffney again so mm. that might be a great one to rate this out of. <laughs> I would love to rate this out of Staffney. <laughs> out of Staffney's. Staffney's. Excuse uh, me. All right. Well, then in that case, I uh, guess I'll go ahead and go first here since I made you once again go out to the theaters to go see this one. <laughs> uh, I, uh, fuck it. It's a five. I, I really <laughs> love this movie. It was a lot of fun. Um, again, as I just said, I really kind of relit my love for Evil Dead as a franchise. I think that um, it's one of those few staple names that has stood the testament of time, despite having so many different variations and different branches that it's weaved off into. I love that we can get the kooky Ash Williams stuff, but still get this very, this much more serious grounded look into the franchise with Evil Dead Rise. Um, I think the performances, again, across the freaking board, fantastic. I think everybody killed it. Um, writing and cinematography-wise, I think this movie is brilliant. It does some awesome um, things with character and shots, and the way that the gore and action is handled is a lot of fun. It always kept me guessing. I never fully knew what was going to happen next, and I appreciated that. And I think, lastly, the thing that really, like, puts the cherry on top for me is just how much love for the franchise you can see in this film. Like there was definitely a lot of care into incorporating as much as they realistically could into the film while still kind of telling their own story and doing things differently. And I just appreciate that in my remakes, reboots, what have you. Um, I think that this is a great example. And I think that honestly, if you don't see this one, you're just straight up missing out. So <laughs> five out of five Staffneys from me. I'm going to give this 4.5 Staffneys out of five for me. Okay. 
I yeah, I had a lot of fun with this movie. Uh, the gore was right on par with what I was hoping it would be. Uh, visually, it's really a stunning movie. I think they nail a lot of these sequences. And also, too, something that I didn't mention before, I loved the lighting of everything, that sort of natural like candlelight kind of scheme that they have for a lot of it because of the blackout. And then even the look, though, in the hallway, it kind of have this has this blue tint to it, but it looks really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so there's a tone about this film that I agree feels dark and keeps in tone with the newer wave of evil dead we've been having but there's still a campiness and a funness to this film that i think is what gives me that summer blockbuster horror feeling Mm -hmm. and so i really really enjoyed that i liked the feeling of both of them uh the only thing that i feel like keeps it from being a five for me is i i and maybe this would change on a second rewatch but yeah it's just that that gap between the opening sequence which just was so good for me and then when the possession happens that gap in between there i was a little bit like it wasn't holding my attention as much as as i was expecting it to and it just took me a minute to get pulled back in but once the possession happens everything after that i'm in it so it's just that introduction to the characters that not all of them were were kind of like holding me in the way that I was hoping that they were. And also, too, I love Beth and Ellie's relationship, but I don't know that I love Beth as a character, mm. um, which is unfortunate because she is our like our main protagonist to root for. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with her, but there's just something missing for me that I don't. Like, I can't, that I'm not like, yeah, get them in the same way that I was for some of the characters in the the 2013 one. So that's my only, those are the only things that kind of keep it from being a five for me. But 4.5 Staphneys out of five, still highly recommend for sure. Very nice. And I think honestly, the reason for that is it's because Cassie's the main character because she's going to have <laughs> to go through generations <laughs> of therapy to get over this shit. <laughs> <laughs> She really is. Yeah. Her bill. She better get a good, good health insurance. That bill about to be bumping. Mm-hmm. But um, I hope that you homies also enjoyed Evil Dead Rise. We'd love to know what you guys thought of it. You can always let us know on our social media. We are homies of horror on everything. Or if you prefer to email us, we are homies of horror at gmail.com. You can email us requests, recommendations, and business inquiries. Or if you want to come into the Discord to talk a little bit more in depth, we'd love to have you. Discord's where we hang out with the homies seven days a week talk about horror but we also talk about other things in there so if that sounds like something you'd be interested in the link for that is in our social media bios and if you're listening to this on monday that means that we are streaming on twitch tonight twitch is where we play spooky games with the homies hang out have some laughs have some drinks have some screams we'd love to see you guys in there so please go to the link in our social media bios for that as well and last but never least if you are so inclined we'd very much appreciate it if you'd leave us a rating or review both can be done over on apple Podcasts. the more we get the better recommends our show to more listeners and we like to hear what you guys are thinking so if you have an apple account and haven't done that we'd love for you to or over on spotify you can go to our show hit the stars underneath to rate us and we'd also appreciate that as well 
But that is it for us today, homies. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. And we will be seeing you guys next time. Catch you next time, homies. Bye.